I don't think that there is any right way to date. I think that it's really about knowing where we're at. And sometimes we need Taco Bell. Sometimes we've had Taco Bell. We've sustained ourselves long enough to be able to up level and move to a real dinner. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successful-ish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successful-ish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successful-ish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. Welcome to Successful-ish and happy early Valentine's Day. I'm Sarah Michelle and today's episode is a little bit different since we are going to be talking about how to be successfully single. I'm going to be rocking this one solo and I am nervously excited to share some of my personal experiences, uh, thoughts, joys, challenges, with navigating singleness and all of the feelings and thoughts and experiences that go with that. Um, You may be aware that Valentine's Day is right around the corner. And while many people seem to write this holiday off for Hallmark couples, and some of you may even loathe this holiday, I have to admit Valentine's Day is my absolute favorite holiday. And it really has nothing to do with being in a relationship in the romantic sense of it. Most of my Valentines, I've actually been single and the ones where I have been coupled off have not been my favorites. And I think what I love about Valentine's Day is that it's such an opportunity to love people who aren't expecting it. I think that when we think relationships, we automatically go towards romantic relationships. And then maybe we think about family relationships But there are so many other variations and ways to have enjoyable relationships with people. And throughout the years, I have had a lot of fun with Valentine's Day. So growing up, I have always been that girl who wanted the Cory to my Topanga. I think the joke in my family was that I came out hitting on the doctor who delivered me. And I think that growing up hearing that, it gave me a little bit of a complex um, because I, I think because I had that desire in me to be in a partnership, to have a relationship that was sort of equated with this belief that I couldn't be alone, that I had to have a man, that I just was always on a hunt for another boyfriend. And that really couldn't be further from the truth. Um, Anyone who knew me growing up knew that I broke a lot of hearts. I turned a lot of dates down and I was not, just because I wanted to be in a relationship did not mean that I needed one. And I think that that is a really core distinction. And growing up through like elementary school, into middle school, even into high school, I sort of was this hopeless romantic a little bit where I was just waiting for my one person to profess their love to me, to do this grand gesture. And every Valentine's day, you know, I'd put on a little extra lip gloss and get all excited and think, oh, today's the day that, you know, whoever it is, is going to profess their undying infatuation for how amazing I am. And without fail, the only Valentine's that I ever got were from my parents. Um, which 
I'm super appreciative of uh, my parents would always get me cards and chocolates and make sure I knew I was loved, um, which I just always appreciated. But I would watch my little sister come home and year after year, she would dump out her backpack and it would just be loaded with hundreds of cards and chocolates and flowers and teddy bears and all these love notes because every guy in the world was after her. And she had no interest at all. And she would just dump out all these Valentines and roll her eyes and say, "Ugh, boys. And I would just stare at this with this intense jealousy and resentment, like, oh, you're so ungrateful. That chocolate is so wasted on you. You don't even know how much I want that. And it sort of sparked something as I got older, probably um, towards my junior, senior year of high school of, you know, I can sit around and be sad and be sad about singleness, or I can enjoy this season of life because I have every expectation of meeting someone and being in a relationship someday for the rest of my life. So maybe I should enjoy this time that I have. Maybe I should find the benefits in being single. So that was sort of my attitude. And for several years, Valentine's Day was really my holiday for the singles. I would cook romantic dinners for my roommates. I would go on friend dates. When I was a youth leader, I would kidnap my middle school and high school girls and take them out for a 5 a.m. PJ pancake breakfast and tell them how loved they were um, with their parents' permission, of course. And I have been known to send love letters to friends, little um, letting them know what I love about them, what I appreciate about them. And I think that it's just such a beautiful holiday, whether it's bringing a tray of cookies to a neighbor or sending your friend's favorite candy bar to them, or just there's so many little ways to tell people that we love them and that we appreciate them. And these might be things that we're thinking all the time and we just assume that other people know. And I think people really need that reminder. We need to vocalize how much we love people because often what we're hearing more of is the criticism and that can get in our heads and we forget to realize just how loved we are. So that's a little bit of why I love Valentine's Day and growing up I really did develop a contentment with singleness and it wasn't that I didn't want to still be in a relationship someday. I just really adopted this mentality of I'm going to enjoy being single. I'm going to enjoy figuring out who I am. I'm going to enjoy the freedom of not being tied down to anything. And it was something that I sort of took for granted. And I just assumed that my singleness would end someday. The other dynamic that came with that is if you know a little bit about my story, you know that I grew up in a very conservative evangelical environment. And there were some um, not super helpful messages around singleness and dating. And so there were a lot of beliefs that, you know, we should be content in our singleness. We shouldn't be worried about dating. And a lot of that was because, you know, the worst thing in the world was to have sex and dating leads to sex. And if you have sex, you're going to get pregnant and die. And so I feel like that was a lot of the energy of youth groups across the nation was how can we put together as many activities and ways to procrastinate on sex as possible. Um, and God bless youth leaders for the amount of energy that they come in trying to create games and activities that are more fun than making out with someone. 
But there was a lot of this belief of we should be content in our singleness. And, you know, some would have this mentality of, you know, Jesus is your boyfriend. Like you should be fully content in the Lord. You shouldn't need other people. And I think that with that, that also created this almost shame or embarrassment for wanting a relationship because I felt like, okay, well, I don't want to come off. Like I need someone else to complete me. I'm complete in myself. And so because of that, I need to just stay away from dating altogether. And the other piece of that was that dating was set up to be very intentional. You were supposed to date to find your husband or your wife. And so with that, there were some very high pressure coffee dates. And there was sort of this sometimes underlying and sometimes just straight out verbalized mentality that when you were dating someone, if you weren't married to them, you were dating someone else's future husband or future wife. And so if I am in a relationship with someone at 19, 20, I'm basically making out with someone else's husband. I'm committing adultery. And if you didn't grow up in this culture, I know how absurd that sounds, but if you grew up in that culture, maybe you have uh, an appreciation and you can think about some of the funny culturisms that came with that. So it created a really high stress dating situation. And I remember in college, one person telling me that I was getting a reputation as the campus tease or the campus slut because I had gone on three coffee dates in a month. Now, in hindsight, going out for three cups of coffee with three different people is really not that ridiculous. But at the time, I really took that to heart. And there was so much pressure because it was like you would go out for one cup of coffee and I had to decide in that cup of coffee if I thought that I could marry this person. And instead of just parting ways, it was like you had to go through a whole breakup process. And I had a lot of guys that were real upset with me because they felt like we had such a great coffee connection. And then I didn't want to go out for a second cup of coffee. And the drama of it made me not want to date at all. So I really didn't date that much um, in college and high school. I had one high school boyfriend when I was a freshman and literally the only thing we had in common was mutual affinity for making out. And um, that fizzled out, you know, within I think three months. Um, it was one of those awkward teen romances where he professed his love for me. First time a boy ever told me he loved me. I'm 15, I've got my first boyfriend. And we were at his track meet and he tells me, I love you. And I really awkwardly said, I think you're up next. Good luck. And walked away. And to this day, uh, if you are listening, I am so sorry. Um, but that was my first romance. And I really just didn't like the drama of breaking up and having to be so serious and so intense about everything. So I really didn't date again um, until I was in my 20s. And my best friend and I were both single. We were both, you know, in our mid-20s, out of college, kind of thinking about maybe getting ready to meet someone and settle down. And she was living at home at the time, and her dad was leaving profiles of people all over the house, um, just printing out profiles from catholicmatch.com. And she was so annoyed with it, and I thought it was hilarious. And I told her you know, why don't you go on a couple dates? Like worst case scenario, you get a free dinner and a good story. You'll get your dad off your back. You know, maybe you'll meet someone. And if you don't, you can at least say, hey, I tried it. It wasn't for me. 
And so I agreed to do a free weekend of online dating as emotional support, moral support. So I signed up for eHarmony. I had, I don't know, a couple dozen uh, internet boyfriends for the weekend. And um, my second cup of coffee uh, was my husband, my ex-husband. And we just kind of went into it with this church mentality where we had our cup of coffee. He was everything I was looking for on paper. And I, for whatever reason, just had it in my head that I didn't want to base a relationship on infatuation. I wanted to be logical about it. I wanted to protect myself and set myself up to not be divorced, um, which as you know, does not necessarily work. That was not a successful method, but I went in very logically and marrying everything that was perfect on paper. And what I found in the course of that marriage, which if you have listened to the Meet Sarah episode, if you know my story, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that it was a, a fairly emotionally, spiritually abusive relationship. It wasn't a very healthy dynamic. What I learned through that was that Sometimes being alone in a marriage or in a relationship is actually a lot more lonely than being alone in singleness. And there's a big difference between being single and being alone. And that was something that I found was that in the process of my marriage, because I had a very controlling partner and because there were these patriarchal roots of him being the man of the house and him having the primary career And because I had been conditioned without really realizing it was no one ever told me that I couldn't have a job or I couldn't have ambitions. It was just this underlying belief that the end goal was to be a wife and a mom. And that was what I wanted more than anything. And so all of my aspirations for a career and for finance, for anything else, it all had an expiration date in my mind because what I really was after was this relationship. And what I found in the course of my four-year marriage was that I lost myself in the process. I essentially surrendered everything that I am, all of my identity, all of my ambitions to be the wind beneath the wings, to be the matriarch of the family. And I've learned a lot through that experience as I've unpacked. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with a husband working and supporting the family and being a single income home. I don't think there's anything wrong with being a homemaker. And I want to be really clear about that. If that is your choice and that is something that you enjoy and that you love, awesome. What I'm talking about specifically was the the not super conscious series of choices that led me to not just giving up my singleness, but giving up my single sense of self and being absorbed in someone else's identity. And in that regard, it was almost like I was a, um, a subset of my husband or like I was a property of him. So coming out of that relationship, Um, I had a very different attitude about singleness and I had a lot of mixed emotions. And I think that in some ways I was relieved because I wasn't experiencing the abuse. I wasn't experiencing the discomfort of what was going on, but for the most part, I was really devastated. And I think 
it wasn't so much the loss of him as much as that hurt. Um, it wasn't a very healthy relationship. And so it wasn't like, oh, I miss him so much. It really, for me, was the loss of those roles of wife and mom, which um, if, again, if you heard our story, you know that we were kind of in the process of about to, we were about to bring a baby home when everything fell apart and he realized he wasn't ready to be a father and a husband. And so I sat there feeling like I had been working for 30 years to go through this timeline of being a young mom, of being a wife. And it was finally coming to fruition. And now the universe was just kind of picking me up and plopping me back a few steps. And the process of losing those roles of wife and mom were particularly difficult for me. And with these underlying beliefs about age and this idea that, you know, it's okay to be single in your 20s, but once you're in your 30s, you really should have it figured out. You should have a partner. And I think something happens when we get into our 30s where people begin to take an inappropriate interest in our reproductive lives. And we get these questions of, are you seeing anyone? Are you thinking about settling down? Are you thinking about having kids? And um, just a side tangent, it's never appropriate to ask someone when they are planning on reproducing a child. Um, you don't know what they've been through in their life. You don't know. It's not necessarily assumed that they're just making a conscious choice to not have kids. So that is my side tangent to have a sensitivity to that and to not, there are so many better questions to ask when we go to parties, when we go to networking events, instead of, you know, are you married? Are you going to have kids? Ask what brings you happiness? How are you spending your time? What are you working on right now? You know, there's so many other questions. But side tangent aside, I really struggled with the concept of being single in my 30s and feeling like I should have met someone by now. Something is wrong with me. If I've gone this far in life and I haven't been able to find a partner, it's, it's almost like something is wrong with you. And particularly growing up in the church, all of my friends were married and on kids number four and five, I was already feeling like I was falling behind um, the church can be a very difficult place for a single person, particularly in their 30s and 40s and getting older. Um, there's not necessarily as much of a space for you there. And so I really struggled with that because my 30th birthday was spent in divorce court. And there was something about turning 30 that made that just extra difficult, knowing that I was going into that season of life. And I took probably at least a year through the process of every, all the separation and divorce and everything falling apart. And probably about a year after from when everything was finalized before I felt like I was ready to maybe think about dating again. And I, I do recommend that for anyone, if you've gone through a substantial breakup, I absolutely recommend taking some time because I think that it's really easy to compartmentalize. And a lot of times we stay in a relationship way after we should have left it. And so we trick ourselves into thinking, oh, we're ready to move on. We know what we're looking for. Like I'm ready to find someone now. And we don't realize sometimes that there is still some healing that needs to happen. And we can sometimes, um, gift our new partner with that pile of unhealed trauma. 
So I definitely recommend, especially if you are going through a divorce, I know that there is a, a rush and a pressure to want to meet someone, but I absolutely recommend taking some time. Um, I think a year is a good amount of time. Um, different for everyone. I'm not prescribing anything, but I do recommend give yourself some space to really process what has happened. Because a lot of times when relationships fall apart, we need some time to evaluate why it fell apart. How is it that this person that I at once loved so much that I felt confident agreeing to spend the rest of my life with, and now all of a sudden we're not talking. That's a huge, huge difference that I think needs some mental reconciliation. So I'm very thankful that I took the time to do that and took the time to heal a little bit, get to know myself. So about a year after papers were signed, I found myself in a situation where I was um, really harboring a lot of feeling for someone that wasn't super healthy to have feelings about. They were in a different phase of life. They were kind of in this hookup phase of bringing you know, a new girl every month into the house. And um, I knew that. I knew that that wasn't something that I was looking for. I knew that they weren't in a place um, to be in a relationship. I knew that I wasn't what they were looking for. But I found myself going back to that place of attaching myself and really latching onto that. And so I decided that I should do something about it. So again, I signed up for online dating just as a way to meet different people. And if you have done online dating, it's not like it was on my free weekend, which I will admit was a very limited experience, but it is rough waters out there. I don't know if you've experienced this. Um, I could share some screenshots. I can share some stories. Um, I didn't have the highest of expectations, but uh, I, I was very surprised at how much lower the bar was than I thought it would be. And um, if you haven't tried online dating, that might sound like I have a superiority complex. If you have tried online dating, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. I have met people who, um, when the date doesn't go well, or when I decline to meet up with someone, they tell me that I'm ugly and I'm going to die alone. I have had men who are really in a hurry to have a family offer to just knock me up and we can just have a legal custody situation. Doesn't really matter if we like each other. Um, I had one gentleman tell me that I was so unattractive. They were thinking about giving up on dating altogether. Um, there are some real gems out there. So I had a little bit of this whiplash moment um, of trying to go into the dating world, meeting different personalities, and a few different things happened. Um, I think that Part of the whiplash was going from purity culture to hookup culture. So the way that I grew up, you really didn't focus on anything physical, like nothing remotely physical apart from maybe kissing happened before the wedding. And I abided by that. I did not do anything until my wedding night. And I, I had come to a place where I felt like, okay, this is not, that was not a healthy situation for me. I don't want to make that mistake again. Um, and I want to be clear with that. I am not, again, advocating that you should or should not wait. I'm saying that the avenue in which I took to wait was not super healthy. 
And for me personally, I felt that physical intimacy was important for me to getting to know someone. And that if I had gotten to know my ex-husband in that way, I probably would have identified some issues that could have prevented some of the problems that were in our relationship. So that being said, online dating was this hookup culture where people were ready, like people are ready to go an hour after they meet you. And that is a crazy whiplash to go from, you know, I'm not even going to touch you until after I've agreed to marry you. And the pastor has, you know, licensed us husband and wife to, Hey, I've known you for an hour. Do you want to come back to my place? I was super uncomfortable with it. It didn't work for me. And I really struggled navigating it because while there was a part of me that just was not ready for that, and I hadn't totally reconciled how I felt about it, I also had been in an unhealthy situation for so long and then single for so long afterwards. It was so amazing to have someone want me. And all of a sudden, I was in this situation where I have dozens of guys asking me out, trying to take me back to their place, telling me how attractive I am, wanting to be with me. And there was a part of me that was really hungry for that. And I really wrestled through this space of, I don't want to be single, but I think what was really happening was that I, it wasn't about being single. It was that I didn't want to be alone. I had left the church and with that, my whole community, I had left my marriage. I was living in a new place um, with a, a landlord that I really didn't see that often. And I worked from home. And so it was a very isolating um, for anyone who quarantined during COVID. Maybe you can relate to that. It was very isolating just to be alone all the time and not really have a community. And so I was really hungry for that aspect of the socialness of it, of meeting other people. And I think that that was something that I figured out along the way was that it wasn't about not being single. It was about not being lonely. And online dating was the low hanging fruit, the easy way to accomplish that. And I joke that when it came to dating and I, I did struggle with meeting different personalities and some dates were great and some dates were horrible. Um, it wasn't really my thing. And I remember telling someone when they were asking me one time, they're like, you know, you keep complaining about what's out there. You keep complaining about these online dates. Like, why are you dating if you don't want to date? And I was explaining, you know, it's not that it's not that I'm not content I'm content and complete in who I am. I'm not looking for someone else to complete me. I'm not looking to lower my standards just so I can be in a relationship. I still have my standards. I still have this expectation that needs to be met or exceeded. It's almost like being really, really hungry. And the only thing around is Taco Bell. And you know, Taco Bell is kind of gross. It's not really something you're excited about, and you're probably going to have a stomach ache in the morning, but it's either Taco Bell or Starve, and you're really hungry, so you decide to go for Taco Bell, and that's kind of how I feel about dating, where it is one of those things where I'm not super excited about the prospect, prospect of dating, of meeting people. 
Um, but I also am not really excited about the prospect of being alone and not having company. And so I really had to reconcile that. And what I found is that as I realized that for myself and as I was more honest about articulating that on different dates, I am not alone in that struggle. I found um, from most guys that I went on dates with, from many women who I talked to afterwards about dating, this is a universal struggle that we are looking for companionship. We're looking for company. We're looking for that because we're social people. And a lot of times we're looking for that aspect of just someone sitting next to us on the couch in our PJs watching Netflix. And it is way too exhausting to put in the effort of trying to get to know someone and go on dates and build a relationship that gets us to the point of being able to sit on the couch with each other. So we kind of bypass it. And we end up in this situation where we're not really being intentional with relationships. We're basically having a long-term hookup or playing house. And I had found that over and over again, that that was the dynamic that was going on. And I really struggled with realizing that it's not the same as when I was in my 20s, where I wanted a relationship, but I was genuinely content being single. I had a lot of friends to hang out with. You know, I had whether I was in college and around people all the time, or I was working in an office in my 20s. I lived in San Diego, so I was in a city with things to do. I was happy. I was content. And it was nice to have a partner, but I didn't need it. I found a very different situation being in my 30s, being older, being further ahead in life, living in a more remote area. I didn't have the same contentment. And I have found that that is a really common struggle. And I think that there is this mentality because we are in a society that pressures us of, oh, have you met someone? Are you thinking about settling down? We kind of assume that that's how it's going to be. It's just assumed that someday you're going to reach a certain age and you're going to find your partner and we make it sound like it's so easy and it can make us feel like there's something wrong with us or we're failing if it's really difficult. And what I have found is that the, while the mentality might be to think that if we can't find someone, there's something wrong with us, I actually think it's the opposite. I found that when we are unhealthy and not that great, there's a lot of people to choose from. And the healthier I get, the more successful I get, the smaller that pool of people is because I'm looking for people who are at my level and can elevate me to the next one. And I think that this is a very common struggle. And I think it's really interesting to look at the research of female CEOs are um, eight times more likely than their male counterparts to end up divorced. I think that's a unique struggle for women as we're shifting away from that 1950s homemaker model to now women are having careers, we are having a workforce, and now we are needing to have different conversations about how to split the income and the home responsibilities. These are conversations that are we might not be having because we don't think that we need to, but there are systematic beliefs that we really need to unpack. And what I have found is that when I'm looking at people who are very successful, separations tend to be higher. Singleness tends to be more common. And I don't think that it's because people are a mess or because there's something wrong with us. I think truly 
the more successful we are, the harder it is to find someone who is operating at that level, who is living maxed out. The more that we know ourselves, the pickier we are about who we want to share our life with because we have a better understanding. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. So with all of that said, I thought that I would share a few different things that have helped me get on board with being single. Um, The first one, like I said, really recognizing the difference between being single and being alone. That is a huge difference. And when I was able to see that and I was able to remove these expectations of my choices are to either date intentionally and really be focused on finding a husband, in which case dating was really a full-time job and it was getting in the way of my work. And I realized I didn't have to take that route, but I also didn't have to be okay with the route of just settling for what was out there. It was okay to go on dates, get to know people, um, be intentional with having friendships, finding other ways to interact with people, to get that social need met so that I could date and have fun without being a full-time job and without sacrificing my standards and feeling like I had to settle. And with that, I think part of it is that we need to accept reality. I think it's really important to own our story. Everyone has a story. And I think sometimes we let our story keep us from writing another chapter. It was really difficult for me to accept my reality of being a 30-year-old divorcee. I associated that with so much shame. I associated that with all of these different narratives that I had in my head. And to be able to move forward, I had to accept my reality. And I found that when I was going on these different dates, often I was apologizing. If I did meet someone who was a great person, I would go in sort of like, oh, you're really great. I'm really sorry that I am damaged goods. I'm really sorry that you're not getting a a fresh model. (laughs) You know, you're getting someone in her thirties who's already been married, who has a divorce, who um, doesn't have her virginity anymore. And all these things that just didn't really matter. And when I changed that and I accepted my story, I realized I shouldn't be apologizing for things that have happened to me. I am such a better, healthier, more exciting, more enjoyable person now than I was in my 20s when I got married the first time. I am such a better partner because I have a better understanding of who I am. I have a better understanding of what I'm running after. I have a better understanding of what I really need in a relationship. And I am a huge fan of therapy and really addressing the beliefs and um, whether it's whether you want to call it a trauma or whether you just want to call it an experience. I think it's so important that we understand and accept the reality of what we've grown up with, what we've been through in other relationships and how that has framed our story. And I think that I I will say over and over, I am so much more comfortable dating the person who has been through years of therapy and is intimately acquainted with their baggage than the person who thinks that they're fine because that is the person who ambushes you with a giant suitcase when you're least expecting it. So accept your reality. Your life is your life. And whatever circumstances happen, some of them you can't control. Some of them you did the best you could with the knowledge that you had. And I think that accepting our reality and knowing that we all have 
broken pieces in the past, but we also have perspective and it's made us smarter and it's made us who we are today. Um, the next thing is to let go of our expectations and preconceived ideas about relationship success. There's really no room for shame um, anywhere in life and particularly in dating. There's no right way to date. I have tried every which way. I tried the intentional um, decide in a cup of coffee and build that into a marriage, um, focus completely on the emotional connection and not on the physical. I have tried rushing the physical. I've tried um, dating go, or going on dates, I should say, with multiple people at one time. I've tried dating one person at a time, all kinds of different combinations. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I don't think that there is any right way to date. I think that it's really about knowing where we're at. And sometimes we need Taco Bell. Sometimes we've had Taco Bell. We've sustained ourselves long enough to be able to up level and move to a real dinner. And I think that it is really important to understand where we're at and to give ourselves grace with that and to not to not judge ourselves too harshly for choosing one style of dating and just to be very honest with people with where we're at. And I think that this can be a really tricky thing, particularly for women, because when I was at that stage of dating where I realized, okay, maybe I'm not actually ready to jump into another relationship. Maybe I am looking to casually get to know people. Um, and by casually get to know people, I mean, casually get to know people. I'm not talking about meaningless hookups. I'm talking about, I needed to get to know different personalities. I needed to go on dates with different people. I needed to take the pressure off. And it can be tricky because if I put on a dating app that I am not looking for a real relationship and I'm looking to date casually, that sends a very specific and incorrect message and fools a lot of candidates that I would not consider spending time with. So I think because of that, we do tend to lie to ourselves and we say these things like, well, you know, I would love to find a life partner, but you know, I'm not rushed. It's, you know, whatever happens. And we end up being really vague with our goals and what we want. And I think that it's okay to be really honest. And as scary as that is to be vulnerable, I think that when we can go into any new relationship with someone, even if it's a first or second date, and we're talking about what we want, I think that there are ways to be honest about where we're at, who we are, what we're running after, without sharing everything, without being inappropriate in that way. So letting go of expectations, there's no rule that says that you have to date a certain way. There's no rule that says that you have to be in a relationship or that you have to feel a certain way about singleness or relationship. You do you. I don't think that there is really any wrong way as long as you are taking into consideration your health and your partner's health. And that includes their emotional well-being. Um, the next piece is to figure out who you are, what you need, and what you want. I think that this is super important. I think that before we can be in a committed relationship with someone else, we have to be in a committed relationship with ourselves. And this is a really difficult thing to do because most of us do not think about dating ourselves. And I literally will take myself on dates. I think it's so important to have a me date 
and to go out with yourself like you would go out with a partner. Ask yourself, tell me your story. Say it out loud. Talk about what you've gone through in life. Talk about what you experienced in your last relationship. Talk about what you want in the future. I think that it's really important to be able to ask ourselves the questions that we're asking other people and to pay attention to what we like and don't like. What excites you? What bugs you? What gives or drains your energy? What is it as you're going on dates with other people that other people are calling out on you? What are the qualities that are standing out that maybe you're not seeing? I think it's really important. And I have found that um, the parallels, because I am a professional brand strategist and I work in the space of identity, the parallels are crazy. And in a business context, I can compare this to the business owner who is just trying to market to everyone because they just know that they need more sales. They're going to be so much more successful if they have a clear brand, if they have a clear identity of who they are and who they're talking to. And rather than just throwing their money at marketing and hoping that it works out, they have a business plan. They have a marketing plan. They have a strategy. They know exactly who they are and what they want to accomplish and who it's going to take to make that happen. And so I suggest doing that. And a lot of times when I work with clients, we actually will go through the business process of branding for themselves personally. And that was something that was really instrumental for me as I was coming back to myself. And I was really evaluating, are these things that I've always associated with myself because that's me or because I was told that that should be me? Do I really aspire to be a stay-at-home mom? Or was that just something that I thought that I wanted? Does my energy come from being with kids or does my energy come from what I'm doing in my career? What is it about my personality? What is it that gives or drains my energy? What gets me excited? What makes me the best version of myself? I think it's important um, besides figuring out who we are to figure out what we need and what we want. And this is a tricky thing um, that I had to navigate because coming from my last relationship, one of the words that was really frequently thrown around was needy. And I have been in a number of friendships or um, romantic relationships where I've been told, you know, oh, you're so needy. And I really took that to heart because that's a very negative word. I don't want to be that person who's constantly nagging for attention. And I started realizing I need to ask what that means to someone. And when I started asking people, what does that mean to have a needy girlfriend? What does that mean? Or what does that need to have a needy boyfriend? And a lot of times what came out was that it's not necessarily about being needy at all. It's about someone who doesn't want to be needed. They're completely autonomous. They don't want to spend time in a relationship. They don't want to go on dates. They don't want to have anyone that requires anything of them. And one space that I see that particularly is that traditionally in dating, there's a combination of a physical connection and an emotional connection. And generally speaking, men are more driven physically. Women are more driven emotionally. Um, there are always outliners to this, but for the most part, and what I found was that a lot of the guys who would talk about not wanting a needy girl, they expected sex. They wanted physicality very quickly. And in their minds, they're like, well, it's just sex. Why can't we just be physical? I don't have to have an emotional connection. Let's just go slow. 
Well, if you're asking me to give you my full self, if you're asking me to give you my full body, why is it unfair that I would want to ask for some of your heart, some of your emotion, if that's what I need to be able to enjoy it? Because I personally can't enjoy just being physical without an emotional connection. And I really started to think about that and to realize that it's really important to know what I need and to advocate for myself. And that was a part of the process of figuring out what I need to enjoy physicality, what I need to be happy in a relationship is reciprocity and initiative. I need those things. I need open conversation because of what I've gone through in my past. It makes me feel much safer when everything is on the table. I need to be able to openly communicate about what I'm feeling and any resentment that's building on either side. And these are things that I need to be healthy, happy in a relationship. And now that I know that, it has made matching a lot easier because I'm able to find people who can meet that need. And I don't have to apologize for that because everybody has needs. Everybody has different things. Everybody has different levels of autonomy. Everybody has different, different needs that need to be met. And that is a lot of what dating is, is finding someone who is a complement for that. And I think that when we're in a relationship, if you're feeling unhappy, it might not be just because it's not the right match. And I think it's helpful to really think about what is it that's actually missing and to try to articulate what we actually need. Um, and then figuring out what we want, right? There's a distinction between the things that we need, our baseline, and then figuring out what we really want. And I think it's really tempting to look at the pool of fish in front of us and feel like we have to pick from those options. And that was something that I see a lot, especially within online dating, is that it's this cycle of defeat, right? It's building. And a lot of times we settle for the best of the worst because that is what we have access to right now. And we don't want to be alone. And so we settle for the person who has at least a few of the checklist qualities of what we're looking for. And I think that it's really important to disregard what is available to us at the moment and to step back and to really think, what do I want? What do I deserve? And being able to articulate that and come to terms, especially after you've been dating and you've learned some things that you don't want and you've learned some things that you don't deserve. I think it's really important to come back to a place where we can really start to think about that and think about what is my standard? What do I deserve? And to elevate that so that when we are putting ourselves out there, we know if you don't have these things, you're not getting more than a cup of coffee because that's not going to make me happy. And I think that it's really important that we learn to not settle for less than we deserve. And a lot of times that is really difficult because if we think about love a relationship on a scale from one to 10, if all you've ever known in life is a two or a three, and then suddenly you meet a four, they seem really great. But in the grand scheme of a one to 10, a four is still a pretty shitty partner. And I think it's really important as a part of getting to know ourselves and getting to know what we need and expanding relationships beyond dating and really focusing not just on not being single, but not being alone, 
I think that that is really important to redefine standards of what we deserve. And I think that that's a continual up-leveling, especially if you have grown up in abusive situations or you've gone through situations where you have been told that you deserve less than you actually do. So I think that that is really important that we step back long enough to figure out what it is that we actually deserve and we elevate that and that we don't settle. I think it's really important to think about what you actually want. Where are you going in life? What is it that you're running after? And then don't accept anything that isn't that. And I think that that is really hard because we look at the pool of people and we can trick ourselves into thinking, well, what I want isn't realistic. It is. It's just that, again, the more successful that we are, the more healthy that we are, it's just a smaller pool of people. It's just going to take longer to find, but it is completely worth it. And lastly, while all this is going on and we're trying to navigate all these pieces, enjoy your life. I think that it's important that we not stress so much about whether we're in or out of a relationship and just to enjoy our life wherever we're at. However, we're finding love, whether it's with a romantic partner, whether it's with ourself, if we're addressing our past experiences and traumas and working towards the best version or the healthiest version of who we are, it's all good. I think we're okay. So I hope that that is helpful for anyone who is listening, who has navigated singleness. Um, you're not alone. It is really tough, especially if you are very ambitious and running towards a lot in your life. It can be very difficult. And with COVID going on and different isolation and the older that we get, there's so many factors where it does make it more difficult to meet people. And I think that it's really important to understand that it's okay to hold space for different things. It's okay to be content and complete in who you are and still want a partner. And going back to um, Joyce Rojas, I love what she said on uh, her time when she chatted with me on Successful-ish about how there's a difference between being someone who's waiting for your white knight or waiting for your princess. I don't know if guys think like this, but there's a difference between waiting for someone to fix that or needing a relationship versus being completely self-sufficient, confident, secure, but wanting a relationship. And when we can get to that place where we want it, I think that we are in a healthier place to better select the partner that's going through that. And I think that it is really important to, to understand, like there's no shame in needing relationship. There's no shame in needing human connection but there is a way to have that need met without sacrificing our standards and settling for something that is going to hurt us in the process. So that is where I have netted out with how to be successfully single. And I feel like I'm so thankful for the process of everything that I've gone through. I'm so thankful for the process of being single and learning what it is to date intentionally. Um, I don't necessarily adhere to all of the church mentalities that I grew up with, but it did teach me how to be intentional. I'm very grateful for all of the people that I have met in the last couple years of dating and meeting different people, because whether it was a terrible date or whether it just didn't work out, every opportunity has taught me 
more about myself. Every opportunity has taught me more about what I deserve. Um, it's taught me what red flags to look for. It's taught me to give myself grace because sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And I think that we can feel like a failure if we have a string of X's or a string of past lessons. And it's almost this idea of like, wow, they know how to pick them. You know, what's wrong with you that you can't find a good partner? People tend to put their best foots forward. You don't always know that someone has red flags until they show up. And it's not until we get trained on recognizing them and recognizing what we want and what we need that we become more discerning and we do get better at that. And I think it's really important that we give ourselves grace and take this pressure off of this mentality that we are just gonna go through life single until we meet one person and that's it. I think that it is completely okay to meet different people at different phases of life. And I don't think that just because we meet someone and spend a few months with them and then realize that we're not meant to lock ourselves with them forever, for eternity. I don't think that that makes us a failure. I think that there are ways to end relationships, to go through breakups or to go through ending any kind of friendship relationship. I think there's ways to do that in a way that preserves the other person's heart and well-being. And I think as long as we are being mindful about that and we're being honest about where we're at and we are keeping the other person's well-being intact, I don't think that there is any right or wrong way to be single or to be in a relationship. So with that said, uh, if you find yourself in a relationship, I hope that you are also finding yourself within that relationship. And if you find yourself single, I hope that you have a really kick-ass Valentine's Day. And I hope that you can take yourself out on a date, grab some friends and know that you are so amazingly, fantastically loved. Happy Valentine's. Success and failure, none of opposite ends. Curveball hits, gotta know where to bend. The attitude will affect destination. Interview determines when you're gonna make it. Live between successes, makes life rich. Live in every moment, successful-ish. Live between successes, makes life rich. Live in every moment, successful-ish. Hey, successful another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. I'm successful-ish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successful -ish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successful-ish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. successful-ish. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successful-ish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successful-ish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. Hey. All this weight on my arms need both flex. In this race, but behind need more steps. Had a sort of learning curve, hope I don't crash. Hit your nerves when reserves got low cash. When I fail, realize that it won't last. You made it through in the past, just look back. Successful-ish, you can see how the contrast fires and wins. Use the past and the bounce back. You can never win if you never go and do it. Failure is a hard road, rarely ever cruising Embracing all my wins with a handful of losing Expect the drought season when the plan's going fluent I can never really feel it's all how you view it It's all a lesson, just depends how you use it Gather all the data and keep it all exclusive Never ending journey and the growth is therapeutic My identity is not in what you see, I am the better me Mistakes others make, I see, have a teaching me Compare yourself to others, it's an insult to tragedy We will make unique, gotta use again collectively Broke down my goals and a few look toasted Can't take them back cause you already spoke them Easily regressive, you don't stay focused Focus, live between success and emotion 
successfully Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete I'm successfulish Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see I'm successfulish Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve I'm successfulish Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve I'm successfulish Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete I'm successfulish Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see I'm successfulish Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve I'm successfulish Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve